Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly. We are sitting here on our eighth glorious victory week. And despite how glorious that may have been, uh, feels like this season, it always comes down to this game. We're going to get right into it. As mm-hmm. always, I am Dave Barron here with my esteemed co-host, Matty Martellucci. And Matt, uh, season comes down to this week. We're going to go through the Maryland game. We'll go through around the trenches. but. Yes, it does. Big measuring, yes, it does. Big measuring stick coming up here. Uh, failed the test against Ohio State, but this is opportunity number two to see how the recruiting stacks up, how the coaching stacks up, and ultimately how the how the players stack up against the big dogs of the Big Ten East. We joke about the Big Ten West, but the big dogs all reside in the East, and this is mm-hmm. shot number two to to make or break the season. Uh, I know we've talked numerous times that 10 and two in a Rose bowl is nice, but this is a year where, Hey, you have an opportunity to do a lot more than that. And we'll see this Saturday if they seize that. But uh, before we get into all that, uh, we'll, we'll give you a little bit of news and notes about the demolition of the Terps that took place in college park. So the uh, street continues. Demolition. Matt, you did not jinx it. With uh, consecutive wins in College Park, but uh, 1961, 1961, and still going, baby. Uh, but what'd you think of this weekend's game? It was an awesome, awesome Saturday for the Penn State side of my family. Eighth Street, awesome Saturday. You know, just making my Maryland family take shots pretty much all day. <laughs> Every touchdown we scored, and a guy who we both talked about last week. Um, potentially having a breakout game because we were talking wide receiver two, wide receiver two. Trey Wallace was injured. And we were like, hey, Dante Cephas, what's up with him? He got it going, and he shined in his snaps, grabbed six catches on seven targets for 53 yards, and those two touchdowns, which were great to give shots to. That first catch was so acrobatic. It was incredible. Love that. Love to see him get going. Along with Keandre Lambert-Smith, who almost went for 100 yards. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice dynamic to see. But I really thought that was Drew Aller's best college game to date. By far. Yes. Just going pure numbers, 25-34 for 240, four touchdowns, and a 96.9. QBR. And he also ran it four times for 39 yards. And what I was more impressed about, I think he had a 21 yard rush where he went through his reads, like kind of processed the defense that they were sinking in coverage, and then scrambled for 21 yards. Like that's the kind of him starting to process, go through his reads, the one touchdown to Warren, or not touchdown, but dump off to Warren. He stood in the pocket. Didn't see his first read, didn't see his second read, checked it down to Warren for a solid game. And it's starting to show in the numbers, too. I mean, he was 17 for 17 to start the game for, I think it was 172 yards was the final mm-hmm. total of that. Mm-hmm. But he seemed like he had complete control of that offense and was basically in the mind of their defensive coordinator. I don't know if you got that vibe, but he was like, if it was either the offensive coordinator, Hirscher, coming in, 
and calling those audibles or him seeing something and go to the line and fix stuff, maybe a combination of both. But that was the most impressive thing to me. No, he definitely did. He looked like the the total package, everything that we that we thought and also knew that he was based on what we've seen. No, he's had some some tough starts so far this year, a couple tough games, especially on the road. But this was a really a coming out game for him. And who knows if it just took him throwing that first pick of the year to kind of mm-hmm. shake the shake the jitters and let him let it fly. But took some deep shots, didn't hit them all, but the that first touchdown to Cephas was an absolute beauty of a ball. And you mentioned the check down to Warren. Didn't notice it real time, but some videos that surfaced on Twitter uh, during and after the game. But I, I don't know for certain if it was that Warren check down, but you can actually hear the coaching staff in the background screaming, great check down, Drew. So coaching nice. staff yeah. love what they saw from him. Uh, so that was really cool to see. But yeah, the, I mean, he just looked comfortable. So it's one mm-hmm. of those games where, hey, it's you're a little bit worried. You know, Indiana had a little bit better of a game. The Ohio State game was absolutely abysmal. And he took full accountability and ownership of that. And you're just worried. Hey, you know, we, we think we have something this guy. We got to see it. And this was that game where you saw it. And it's just kind of that phew moment where this guy is the real deal and really just hope him and Cephas use this as a stepping stone uh, heading into this week. Yeah. And you kind of wonder whether it was your chitch kind of letting him, you know, whatever you see call out or it was a combination of both them being like, Hey, let's go on the same page and have multiple options as plays in case we see different reads in the defense. The play calling is just better too. It was just better. Yeah. I, mean, we, I was saying yeah. play calling has been blah, and it was it was different. <laughs> like where wow. the hell had that been all season? But uh, yeah. it was it was fun to watch. But like watch we we're just gonna go right back to it against Michigan. Like can't do that. Um, I hate to be I hate to be negative, Nancy. I know. <laughs> Forget I said that. Never never mind. I do have two final positive Paul stats on that game. <laughs> we didn't allow a runner to have. Any positive yards rushing mm-hmm. besides their backup quarterback who got in a garbage time, Billy Edwards, to get four yards rushing, the only rusher in positive yards. Also, shout out to our young guns. Kevin Winston Jr. had a nice game on special teams. I know Tracy got the Penn State special teams player of the week. And turn over Tony Rojas. Mm. Living up to that turnover king title that he got in camp. He had a fumble recovery and then that interception. Mm-hmm. So loving what I'm seeing from the young superstars. And with that, let us head briefly around the trenches. Trenches on three. One, two, three. Trenches. That regular gas. We run diesel premium only. The hot, hot. Voice crack on the snap. Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. He played it there. Starting, so starting off around the trenches in the swamp. Best game of the weekend, Matt. Love uh, swamp. We hyped it Love up. Swamp. Hyped it up as best we could, and boy, did it did it show out. 
Iowa Northwestern live from Wrigley Field. Woo! Woohoo! Lowest over under total in modern betting history at 31. By the way, you took that bet at 29 and a half. <laughs> it, it dropped even lower. <laughs> and as you can imagine, the under hit. Of course. So I'll preface it by spoiling the ending. Iowa wins the game on a 52-yard field goal with 14 seconds left. That's how they win. They win it 10-7. to And I'll paint the the rest of the picture. The first half ended 0-0. So at that moment, (laughs) this thing's on, baby. It's it's rolling just as we expected. I wasn't paying any attention to this game. 0-0 at halftime. And to list out all the possessions from the first half, they went as follows. Punt, punt, missed field goal, punt, interception, punt, 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 end of half. (laughs) (laughs) Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine punts in the first half. It was an absolute masterclass. Oh, my God. Iowa takes the lead. in the third quarter they're up seven zip and before northwestern ends up tying it northwestern has an 18 play 66 yard drive starting at their own 33 yard line they chew up almost 10 minutes off the clock in the third quarter and it ends with a fourth down goal line stand by the hawkeyes (sighs) the door on the wildcats that's not the brandon sullivan way it is not but (laughs) Total yardage. If you were looking for yardage, you weren't getting in this game. I don't know why you thought you would anyway, but Iowa finishes the game with 169 total yards, Northwestern with 170. So Northwestern outgains them by one yard, end up losing the battle. And but they did cover, by the way. So Northwestern plus five and a half in this one. So if you were like me and parlayed the under in Northwestern, then you you loved every second of this game. But it was it was a thing of beauty, Matt. That was an under masterclass. Charge money <laughs> to have to see that full game replay. And for yeah. those tracking at home, offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz is not going to hit his incentive unless Iowa decides to put up about a hundred a game. So that's not looking too good either. Oh. That's what we have to write that down. We're in week 11. Mm-hmm. We're in the last two weeks. Coaching incentives, points. Right. That's a thing that could be out there. <laughs> Continuing on, uh, we're going to go to Illinois and Minnesota, starting with the Alana QB, who I'm calling a dog. The past two weeks, Luke Altmeyer, he came crashing back down to earth. Two fumbles, one lost. Just looked absolutely lost out there through a pick. In a crucial moment, he was actually pulled from the game for John Paddock, a senior transfer from Ball State, who balled out on the final drive to lead them to victory. Went three for three for 85 yards and then tossed the game-winning touchdown pass on fourth and 11. Woo! Make a movie out of that. I don't know what they should make a movie out of in sports. That is <laughs> written in the stars. Also for the Fighting Illini, 
that crafty wide receiver that we saw, Isaiah Williams, had a game. 13 catches, Dave. Mm. 131 and two trips to the end zone. Fighting Illini keep doing what's in their namesake. They fight every week. They're now 4-5 and five on the year with Indiana. Coming to Champaign this week. And on the other side, one of my favorite last names to say, the Golden Golfers quarterback, Ethan Kalikmanis. He actually played really well this game uh, as a game manager. He went uh, 11 of 12, 11 of 22, excuse me, for 167 and three tutties. Mm. But that was not enough for the pad train to squash the Gophers. Sorry if that was a little too literal. Who are now four and five? Minnesota is two and four in conference play, and they fall into a three way tie for second place in the Big Ten, Wild Wild West at five and four overall, three and three in conference. And we will continue with that three-way tie as Wisconsin was just shellacked with running back injuries. They used their fullback, Jackson Aker, as their primary ball carrier. And freshman Cade Iacomelli, uh, who had a critical fumble in the game. Sorry to say, his only Power 5 offer was to Wisconsin. So it was a little bit of a tale two halves for the quarterbacks here. We have our guy, Brendan Sorsby, went 13 of 20 for 141 yards and a touchdown in the first half, along with 22 rushing yards. Braden Locke, another fun name to say, Braden. 10 of 21 for 121 yards in the first half. However, he had a gunslinger. Brett Favre-esque second half. So he went 10 of 21. He finished 21 of 41. Threw 20 more passes in the second half for 243 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Soresby finished 19 of 31. Only threw for 45 more yards, 186 yards total. Had that touchdown. And then his rushing yards went down to eight because of sacks. But the gunslinger, as I like to call him, Chad Locke and the Wisconsin Badgers comeback fell short as they lose 20 to 14 to Indiana and in upset making their journey to the top of the swamp. Pretty difficult now with Iowa sitting at seven and two. So yeah, basically two games back. On the other side, Indiana. Beats Wisconsin for the first time in two decades. I didn't get the exact date, but the announcer said two decades. And I didn't look it up. I'm playing myself right now for not doing that. But they moved to three and six, their first win in the Big Ten under Tom Allen. So feeling good in Hoosier land. And basically the game was the two fumbles by Wisconsin ended up being their demise. They fall to five and four again in that three-way tie in the wild, wild west of the Big Ten. 
right, so sticking in the Wild Wild West, we had Nebraska versus a spiraling Sparty. And Sparty came to play this week, or last week, rather. They were spiraling. Uh, They were spiraling. Uh, A lot of adversity going on this week, obviously, with the loss of Mel Tucker. But uh, they showed up to play, and they're still playing hard uh, over there in East Lansing. Nebraska walked in this one fighting for bowl eligibility, which they still remain in that spot, uh, but did not escape with a dub here. Um, Harburg for Nebraska, who we talk about a lot, had a abysmal game going 12 for 28, 129 yards and two picks. Did rush for a touchdown in this one. And last week had mentioned that we may have potentially been seeing a QB change here from Michigan State. That was not the case as they elected to continue to start freshman Caten Hauser. Uh, but both QBs did get some action in this one and both actually threw a touchdown. So both of them meaning Hauser and also true freshman Sam Levitt. Okay. So this was a pretty tight matchup. Uh, Michigan State was leading 20 to 10 in the second half. Nebraska actually cut it to 27, 20 to 17 with just three and a half to go after a four yard Emmett Johnson touchdown run. Nebraska gets the ball back, still down 20 to 17. Harburg fumbles on a third down sack at their own 27 with just under two minutes to play. Michigan State follows that up with a 44-yard field goal miss with 43 seconds to play. So Nebraska, their last-ditch effort, forced a big holding penalty on Sparty. So Nebraska has the ball at midfield, 43 seconds to go. And what happens? Harburg gets sacked for an 18-yard loss. Time continues to wind down. And then last play of the game, throws an incompletion, last prayer effort. And Sparty wins this one 20 to 17. And Nebraska is still sitting at five and four now in the season, still hoping to get bowl eligible. Uh, as Sparty continues to prove that they're not gonna lay down the season. They're gonna they're gonna give everyone their best shot. Nebraska's in that three-way tie. And uh Dave, I had them, Nebraska minus three in my Big Ten Big Bonanza. So I did watch the game officially putting it under protest that one drive that you're talking about um the one that they stopped them got the ball back mm-hmm. they after you get a first down in college football at the end of both halves they stopped the clock right or the, is that no more i thought it was i under believe it's minutes. just under the last two minutes of the of second half okay of the second half okay yeah, I don't believe it's the first half anymore. Because I there was maybe it was the Illinois game. There was a game where they didn't stop the clock. I was freaking out. I was like, "What the <laughs> heck? Like, I have money on this." But I think it was Illinois <laughs> ended up winning. So that was almost a meltdown by me. Hmm. We'll move up to the big dogs or the big pan. Ohio State faced Rutgers, and Rutgers. Put up a heavyweight fight in the first half against the Buckeyes. As this makes me furious to say. But they did what we said Penn State should do in our preview against Ohio State. And utilized the ground attack to stifle the Buckeyes offense and keep the chains moving. Kept it 9-7 at halftime on the road. 
Rutgers running back Kyle Monagai finished with 24 carries for 159 yards. I mean, it's just, I'm not going to get into it. Past is the past. Um, but if you're if you forgot, Ohio State got back their running back Travion Henderson, toted the rock 22 times for 128 yards on a touchdown. I believe that's back to back 100 yard games since he's returned. And he also had a team high catch, team high five catches for 80 yards. Uh, the real game changer, though, in this one was the 93 yard pick six. I saw this live, called it out targeting immediately, but it was the 93 yard pick six by Jordan Hancock from Iowa State on a throw to Kyle Monongai over the middle that kind of a lob pass. Mm-hmm who, in my eyes, in my opinion, got targeted by Ohio State's Josh Proctor, which caused the ball to fly up in the air and intercepted and touchdown. But even Proctor got hurt on the play. And I hate to call the kid out, but Monongai was totally defenseless, looking up in the air, trying to track the ball, hits him with this crown of his head, and he, I believe... Proctor got injured, which this sucks to say, but like when defenders don't tackle correctly, you end up hurting yourself. So I think that should have been targeting. That would have changed the game completely, but it wasn't. Anyway, long way of saying Buckeyes continue to win. They're now 9 0, ring number one in the college football playoff. Could have been a lot different, though. It's all I'm saying. Yeah, it sure could have. All right, uh, wrapping up, last of Around the Trenches and last of the Big Ten East versus West matchup. We had the Purdue Boilermakers against Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Michigan obviously still dealing with the off-the-field scandal and the and the uh, sign-stealing scandal, but proved nonetheless that they are still a dominant football team as they won this one 41-13. Michigan's offense dominates as they have all season in this one, 445 total yards of offense. J.J. McCarthy, a smooth uh, 24 completions, 335 yards. Found Roman Wilson, who's proved to be a big-time target this year, nine catches, 143 yards. Uh, he actually lead, didn't have a touchdown this one, but leads the Big Ten uh, wide receiver ranks in touchdowns with 10. Purdue didn't reach the end zone in this one until the final 18 seconds of play. Weren't held scoreless in the first half, had two field goals, but we're down 20 to six at halftime. So this one really wasn't ever close. Uh, Blake Corum also tallied three more touchdowns, adding to his league leading total for the year. And Michigan, Michigan has now won all nine games by 20 plus points, but they find themselves pitted in their first ranked matchup of the season, Matthew, against our beloved. Penn State and Nittany Lions. It's all baloney. They're cheating. Don't believe it. <laughs> Wins don't count. Stop the count. So the rankings just came out. Penn State is 10, right? Yep. So we got a top 10 matchup. Big noon kickoff on Fox. Last time I checked, the spread was Michigan minus five. Is that still right on DraftKings? 
hovering. I've seen anywhere between four and a half and five, but I believe five is the latest number that I have seen. So yes. Over and under same, 46. Same thing, hovering between 45 and a half and 46. But last I saw it was 46. All righty. We all know the history of this game. So let's just get right into it. How the hell are we going to beat this powerhouse? I think Michigan has the, once again, the best offensive line in the country. Out of their five linemen with the highest snap counts, the most sacks allowed, according to PFF, is their tackle. Who moved to right tackle? He only has two on the season. So their starting guard, center, and other starting guard have not allowed a sack this entire season. And that hurts because my mantra is, you know, you make J.J. McCarthy, make quarterback eat turf, he's going to be rattled. But even if J.J. McCarthy gets rattled, he has that backup plan, Blake Quorum, to lean on who, like you said, is leading all college football, 16 touchdowns. And Donovan Edwards, who is the definition of just an electric dual threat back. He's fourth on the team in targets. So I truly think, despite all of that, I truly think Penn State is going to win this game. I th- I'm going to take... I'm taking them out, right? No matter what you take, they'll be 10 betting bonanza. I really do think they're going to win this game. I think Manny Diaz is in his bag right now, and he's going to show J.J. McCarthy some defensive looks and blitzes that he's never seen before, throw him out of his rhythm with the faceless defense that we've all come to know and love, and you never know where that white hat's coming from, and that's going to get in his head, and I think that's going to be the turning point for us on defense. But finally, on defense, even if we rattle J.J. McCarthy, like I said, he has a run game to rely on our linebackers. Critical, critical game for these linebackers. They have to step up and stop that run because if they get that going, game over. Pack your bags, head back to to, uh, State College with another loss to Michigan. I think really for me, I think obviously it starts first and foremost with the defense. Uh, they've, other than the, you know, the explosive plays, I guess you could call them that they gave up against Indiana. They've been absolutely stalwart every, all season. Probably a top three, top two defense in the country, if we're being frank and as non-biased as possible. But I think the numbers prove themselves. Yeah, they are. So you're going to need a similar pretty much a mirror or if not a better performance than what you saw against Ohio state. I think that is the formula. The difference here is you don't have a Marvin Harrison jr. Doesn't mean that Michigan obviously doesn't have weapons. You have Roman Wilson, you got Cornelius Johnson, you got Loveland, who's an absolute beast at tight end. So there's definitely targets there, but there's not a surefire number one, number two overall pick on offense. Yeah, and that's not me down on this Wilson. Michigan offense. 
he he can play inside and outside, which is a threat. Yes. Don't himself. get me wrong. He's absolutely a bona fide yeah. target they got to look yeah. out for, but he's I, not I a Marvin that. Harrison type. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the defense has to show up the same way that they did. And I think the difference here or big difference is that this game's at home. It's yes, it's a new game, but it's a stripe out. It's the the second big test of the season and last hope to make this something more than a 10 and two season. So the crowd's definitely going to bring the energy, even if it's at noon. And lastly, I think it's the, the number three is a big one is a big thing to go after in this one. You got one being the third quarter. So Michigan through nine games has outscored their opponents 114 to nothing, but Penn state has also outscored their opponents 97 to nothing in the third quarter. So that's just one of your good old fashioned something's got to give scenario. Circle that quarter. <laughs> circle that quarter. We circle this game for all year. Circle the third quarter. So if this game Smaller is tight, one. which I expect it to be, especially going into halftime, coming on that third quarter, that's where they really have to pounce. Mm. And that's something that Michigan hasn't had to face this season. Uh, like, I, like I mentioned, this is their first ranked opponent that they're going against and they Obviously, haven't faced a top five defense, so that's going to be new to them in this environment. Uh, and the second number three is going to be third downs. So Michigan has converted fifty six percent of their third downs this season. Penn State's defense has held their opponents to twenty nine percent on third downs. Mm-hmm. So we know on offense we had our struggles against Ohio State on third down. Obviously, that has to be better, and I expect it to again, especially at home, but. If they if this Penn State defense can continue to keep Michigan at an arm's length on third down and keep them and prevent them from moving the chains and holding on to the ball, it's another one of that something's got to give there. And I exactly, have all the faith yeah. in the world and Manny Diaz in this defense to to keep that trend going, even against a potent and powerful Michigan offense. I just have that much confidence in this defense. That they're going to come in. They they understand what they went through last year with all those rushing yards they gave up. And I'd be hard-pressed to say they walk into this one and have a similar output. That's just not how this defense is going to roll. They played so much better after that game last year. And I don't expect them to to go through that again. I just I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I I again I think. Like you said, I think Manny Diaz is going to be in his bag. He's going to throw stuff at J.J. McCarthy that he's never seen before. Blitzes come from blitzes coming from all over the place. His head's going to be spinning. They're going to have to rely on the run game, and that's where the real test is going to come in. Mm-hmm. For me, for my Penn State impact player, I'm going with Mr. Nicholas Singleton. Simply because he's freaking due. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest game of the year, and the biggest players give it their best against the top dogs. So he had eight carries for only 20 yards last week against Maryland. So I don't know what's going on, but he's not getting the carries that he probably is expecting. So he's hungry. And as we all know, hungry dogs run faster. So I'm expecting some explosive runs from Singleton in this one. 
as he I think he's going to tote the rock just as many times as Katron Allen because they want to keep him both fresh against this mm-hmm. stout Michigan defense. Who do you have as your Penn State impact player? For me, it's a lot of people probably say it's the easy answer is the cop out answer, but I truthfully think that this game comes down to Drew Aller. I think you know, mm-hmm. barring any surprises, I think like like we're talking about where we have confidence in this defense that they're going to show up. And again, he went through the trials and tribulations of his first test against Ohio State, failed that one straight up, took the accountability, but he flat out did not play like you expected a five-star quarterback to play in that one. Yeah, I think coming in this game, he's truly – I feel that he's going to build off the, the momentum that he that he put forth in that Maryland game. Like you mentioned, best start of his collegiate career. I think the numbers are are obvious that it was. And I think having the confidence and, again, building off momentum that of the connection that he built with Cephas last week, we've been talking all year about who's going to step up. Yes, you're getting production from the tight ends, from Keandre Lambert-Smith, but who's that second wide receiver that's going to step up and keep the defense honest? I think Cephas has turned a corner. I know that's that's a hope answer, but I truly do think that there's something brewing there, and this is a matchup more so than ever that you need your five-star quarterback to show up and win you the game. He's mm-hmm. he's shown the ability to protect the Rock all year, 20 touchdowns, one interception through that first one against Indiana. So he's if he continues that trend or he's not putting the ball in harm's way, but speaking out of both sides of my mouth, he's going to have to continue to, in this coaching staff is going to have to allow him to make some plays downfield as they have the last couple of weeks. And I think he's got that confidence now with a couple of guys now that can make those plays for him. So I expect Drew Aller, if he shows up in a big way, that's going to be the difference maker in this one. Yes. JJ McCarthy. You, you, you expect to see similar output on the Michigan side, but Drew Aller is truly that type of talent that you bring to Penn State to come in to win this game for you. Yeah, and like you said, I totally agree. comes down to him, ultimately. He has now Keandre Lambert-Smith, hopefully Dante Cephas, mm-hmm. but you just remind me of an honorable mention, Tyler Warren, mm-hmm. Mr. Clutch, Psycho T. It seems like anytime we need a third down conversion, a big touchdown, he's there to catch the ball. I'm not sure. I don't have it up right now what his catch rate is, but I'm sure it's in the 80% or 90% category mm-hmm. up in the upper echelon. So he's just another guy to look out for, not only in his blocking to help the run game get going, but in clutch situations where we need something to happen. And yeah. I think Psycho T is going to make it happen. So, we actually had a good week betting last week. How about that? (laughs) End of the season, we're finally hitting our stride. Week (laughs) 11. (laughs) Don't give up on us now. Don't you give up on us. We're just getting hot. We are going in, last week was week 10. We are going into week 11 of the greatest. Wait, before we do that, score prediction. I'm going to go 24-20 Lions. I'm going to go 24-23 Lions. 
Ooh. I think they're going to have a victory. I think it's going to be 23-17. They're going to score a touchdown to fucking win it. Love it. Let's go. And while we're going, let's move on to the greatest betting competition on planet Earth, the Big Ten betting bonanza. Number 11 of the Big Ten betting bonanza, as I will recap week number 10, which, like I mentioned, did pretty well, feeling pretty sharp. Davey Barron, Penn State, minus eight and a half, cover Kings, plus one point for him. Davey Barron, I was in Northwestern at Wrigley Field under 20 and a half, 29 and a half. Easy money. <laughs> Davy Barron going back to his Michigan well and failing. <laughs> Minus 32 and a half. I think they won by 27, 28, something like that. Yeah. 28. Still a good week. Two and one. Winning week. Two bonanza points. That brings him to 16 and 14. A winning record on the year with 20 bonanza points. So Dave Barron is up units on the year, only betting Big Ten games. Pretty impressive. Meanwhile, on the other side, we're trying to get to 500 here, folks. That's all we're trying to do. I had my plus three hit for once. Finally, Illinois money line against Minnesota. <laughs> Riding that train of the back of quarterback. I'm blanking on his name now. Like I said, I had the Nebraska minus three, heartbroken. First push of the season of the Bonanza, which is kind of mm. crazy. That is crazy. Oh, and you were looking for uh, Paddock, the Paddock train. The Paddock train. Yeah. Wish, <sighs> wish that was wrong a little faster. <laughs> and then I hit the Wisconsin-Indiana under 45. So with that, Illinois money line, two and one of the week, four bonanza points. Like I said, trying to get to 500. That's the goal. We're 13, 16, and one with 15 bonanza points. So the bonanza points are all that matters. Mm-hmm. 20 to 15. I'm still in it. I'm still fighting. Two weeks left and the championship. We can do this. So, technically, I have more bands points. Picking the ball to you, brother. You got first pick. Now I'm nervous because I, I had you locked in in one pick, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. What's the money line on Penn State? Let's see here, plus four and a half. Should be a little juicy. I can get you. I'm seeing plus 176. I'm seeing plus 170 on DraftKings. Uh, plus 176 on FanDuel. Plus 170 cleaner. I'll get Either it way, it's a plus three, right? That'd be a beautiful plus three. I'd want nothing. Yeah. You have Lock it in at plus 170 on FanDuel if you're betting. 
at minus five on Friday morning. Hopefully it's <laughs> the same. Penn State money line plus 170. I do believe. I just put $50 on it. Let's go. Davey, weirdly, going second. All right. So I'm going to swing for the fences here. First pick. Oh, boy. I don't like the trying direction. What's that? You trying to end this? I am. You're trying to shut me down. No more. Kill shot. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin's still dealing with a lot of injuries. And they're going up against, they're at home, but they're going up against a feisty Northwestern team who just has so much fight in that squad that I just got to root for them this week. And I'm going to root for them with a plus 315 money line fashion. Give me the Wildcats money line over the badges. I want you to see right here. That is my first pick. Ah. And I crossed out money line and put plus 10 because I made that mistake before going for the home run. Thinking they got it all together. Oh, my God, they're going to win. They're going against a bad team. And then they just lose by a field goal. Yeah. So be very good heartbroken, my friend. I'm, or I'm more than ready. Look like I'm a four. More than ready. <laughs> <laughs> my second pick, I'm going to go with this pains my soul. It really does. The now I think this is the new lowest over under in college football history, 28 and a half. But Iowa at home against Rutgers, Rutgers cannot pass the ball. They're a running team. That's all they do. Iowa, pretty good at defending the run. Pretty, pretty good. I see them as minus one on uh DraftKings, but one and a half on ESPN. So I'll take that little half point just to make it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Iowa minus one and a half. Little single. You didn't go where I thought you were going there. So I'm going to jump all over that. Why, if it ain't broke, why fix it? 28 and a half. Give me the under, baby. <laughs> going under again. <laughs> course you know why because that's not my bet to take that's 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 your bet i I appreciate you leaving it up for me i appreciate you leaving that for me but i am i'm gonna gobble that one up yeah you have to i didn't even put it on my list (laughs) it's actually number one on my list (laughs) all right my last pick i'm gonna go with i think this is my third week betting then the Nebraska Corn Huskers <laughs> at home against Maryland. They're both five and four, but Maryland faces a big opponent in, I think it's Michigan or Ohio State. No, Maryland be Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Michigan comes to College Park the next week. Total look ahead spot. This line makes no sense. Nebraska money line, plus 110. Book it. Mm. No, plus three. 
I like and it. You finish it off, Mr. Baron. I'm going to take us home back to Happy Valley. I know you got the money line pick in there. Uh, it's not a sexy pick here, but I think it's kind of what my gut tells me how this game's going to go. I think this is going to be a low scoring affair, just like the Ohio State game was. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the under 46 in this one. I actually do like that bet. Hmm. Really, both have really good defenses. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess you going under. I think you're David Totals. You're now the Undertaker. I am the Undertaker. We'll get that pops up in here whenever you take money. <laughs> so that will wrap it up for Big Ten betting bonanza week number eleven. All of our picks should be on the bottom of the screen if you want to follow us, fade us, whatever you want to do. But once again, thank you all for listening. However you do on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. However you get your Whiteout Weekly info, we appreciate you. And like always, this thing will keep going till the wheels fall off. Matt Martellucci, totally scrub my name there. Matt Martellucci, signing out. Definitely don't fade us. We're just getting hot. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>